I want you to take your Bibles this morning, if you would please, and turn to Romans chapter 8 with me, Romans chapter 8. Isn't it great to be in God's house today? I appreciate your faithfulness to the Lord. I appreciate his faithfulness to us. Jeremiah said, it is of of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. (laughs) Great is thy faithfulness. Well, we could just stop right there and shout for a little while, couldn't we? Amen. I'm going to start this message off as I have started it off the last two weeks, the last two Sundays. I believe the reason that we're not thankful for what Jesus has done is because I'm afraid a lot of times we don't really understand exactly what Jesus has done for us. And so the last few weeks, it seems like there's been a little divine series that's been going on here, and and I think we're going to go a little further with that today. And so Romans chapter 8 in your Bibles, and when you find your place, if you'll stand with us today, Romans 8, and find your place. Uh, We're going to start in a great location. It's all great. You can just let your finger fall somewhere. It's all great. But we're going to start in verse 28, which is a very, very familiar passage of Scripture. Some of you have this committed to memory. Uh, Romans chapter 8 and verse number 28. And the Bible says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? (laughs) That's a good question. If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Wow. The last few Sundays, it's been a wow moment every time we read the scripture. And it's definitely been that today. Notice, if you will, please, verse number 30. I've got this highlighted in my Bible. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. And I want to talk to you from verse 30 today. You may be seated. And we want to talk to you about the threefold blessing of salvation. And so I want you to pray this morning as I pray. And let's pray that God deals in hearts. Pray God works in your heart. Pray God works in my heart today. And uh, let's pray. Let's plead the blood of Jesus over the service right now. And ask the Lord to keep the devil away, amen, and to keep his blessings uh, in the house today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer at this time. Father, we thank you for your goodness and for the opportunity to be back at Calvary Baptist Church again today. Lord, what a good service. Already, already, Lord, if we would have 
had the closing prayer and went home, it would have been well worth our time to come, Lord, to experience the wonderful fellowship of the family of God that we have uh, this morning. What a blessing to walk in this place and to see people fellowshipping and talking and loving on each other. And, and uh, Lord, we feel that camaraderie. We, we feel that brotherly love. Lord, that's the way you designed it. You designed us to be social creatures. And we're so thankful for the fellowship. And then, Lord, for the great singing today. We thank you for the good congregational singing. And then, Lord, for that wonderful special that Miss Lori and Brother Michael did. We thank you so much for that. Father, I pray our hearts have been prepared now to receive the word. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you breathe upon us. We plead the precious blood of Jesus over the service. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would bind the powers of darkness and that you would keep them out and keep them away from the live stream today. And Lord, I pray that you would accomplish your will. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And so God, we're asking you to give the victory. And I pray all that's done would lift up high the name of Jesus. And I pray God that he would increase and that we would decrease. Father, as we close the prayer, we pray for that soul that's lost and undone without Christ. I pray today they'll find their way to the cross and repentance. And I pray that they'll, Lord, today, that they'll uh, open their heart and life and let Jesus come in. Uh, those that are watching by way of the live stream that are lost, I pray you'll save them. And then, Lord, I pray for those that <clears throat> are discouraged, that you would encourage their heart today and, and uh, help them to understand what a great salvation, what a great plan of salvation that we have. Help us, Lord. Oh, how we need you today. We love you and praise you. And we ask these things in Jesus' precious name and for his sake, amen, amen. Romans 8, 30, moreover, whom he did predestinate, then he also called, and whom he called, then he also justified, and whom he justified, then he also glorified. I wanna go ahead right off the bat and I wanna tackle the elephant in the room, so to speak. And I wanna get that out of the way. And as I read those verses this morning, there may even have been someone here that said, oh my, preacher, stay away from that thing of predestination. Don't talk about that. Don't read about that. And I want us to understand this morning that predestination is not something that you have to be afraid of. It's not something that you have to try to avoid or or try to bow your head about. So I wanna go ahead and deal with the subject of predestination this morning. The question is this, did God know who was going to be saved? And the answer is, without a shadow of a doubt, yes. <clears throat> because there's nothing that God doesn't know. We read that this morning. You notice verse number 29. Paul said, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. Now, uh, notice what he says, whom he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Predestination is not for the lost. Predestination is for the saved. And so did God know who was going to be saved? Yes, he did. Did God choose some to be saved and others to be lost, no, he did not. God made you a free moral agent. He gives you the opportunity to make that choice. And so you'll choose to accept Jesus Christ as Savior or you will choose to deny Jesus Christ 
as your Savior. But for those who will be saved, this is beautiful. For those who will be saved, God has predestined that they should be conformed to the image of his son. And so don't be afraid of predestination. Somebody says, Pastor, do we believe in predestination at Calvary? We sure do. Predestined that some are gonna be saved and others gonna go to hell? No, we do not. We believe that God gives every man a choice. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so we believe that God gives us a choice, but when you make that choice to be born again, God predestines that you be conformed to the image of his son. Now, there are several things this morning concerning my salvation and your salvation that I want to draw out. I'll give you three but I want to hasten through these first two because I want to camp out just a little bit uh, on the third point. Notice several things concerning your salvation this morning. Number one, I want you to notice that he called me. He called me. Look at Romans chapter eight, verse number 30. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. He called. I was called. That word called means to be invited. But I love this next definition. It means called aloud is what it means. It's the idea of conviction. Does anybody ever remember the day when he called aloud to you? Anybody remember that day? It might not, it might not hurt you to think back about that time where he called your name. And by the way, by the way, you knew when he called, it was the voice of the Lord. You felt, you know what, that day when God was dealing with you and God was calling your name. Some of you can relate to this. It felt like your heart was beating out of your chest and, and you knew that you needed to respond. You knew that you needed to answer the call. You knew that God was dealing with your heart. And by the way, the day that he called, you didn't care who was listening. You didn't care who was watching. You didn't care who was in front of you or behind you. All you knew is this, that he was calling and you had to get to the Savior that day. And by the way, Amen. if he's never called you, I'd be sure you check up on your profession of faith. Amen. Because our Bible says in John chapter six and verse number 44, no man can come to me except the father which has sent me draw him. And I will raise him up at the last day. No man can come to me except the father which has sent me draw him. Draw him. Donnie, can I use you just a minute? Come here just a minute if you will. The word draw, come up here on the platform. The word draw there means to impel. To impel. I-M-P-E-L. I, I, I when I first saw that word, I thought impel. Not, not a, a word that we use a whole lot. Impel. It means this. It means to urge. It means to push, to spur. Uh, you remember that day? Boy, I remember that day. You've heard my testimony. I won't go back through it again. I was a teenager. I was on the lawnmower at our church. My daddy was a deacon. My mama was a Sunday school teacher, but I was lost and on my way to hell. And I'm so glad for the day. Please understand, I'm so glad for the day that God called Brother Mike. And I'm so glad for the day that God called Brother Ronnie. But I am thrilled about the day that God called me. <laughs> He didn't just call these men by name, but he called me by name. And it means to urge, to impel. It means that the Lord sort of 
Just and, and just resist just a little bit, Donnie. Not a whole lot, because we want you to be saved. Amen. But I'm glad the Lord came and the Lord urged me. He urged me. He pushed me. He pushed me. How many of you, there was a time in your life when you thought, I don't really, you know, by the way, you thought you were living it up. Well, I'm really not sure if I want to give up what I've got to serve the Lord. And now all these years later, you're thinking, man, why did I waste so much time? If I'd have known it had been this good, if I would have known, I would have given my heart life to Jesus years ago. And how many people even in this ministry have come to me with tears in their eyes and said, preacher, I've wasted 15 and 20 and 25 years of my life. And if I'd have known that it was this good, I'd have got saved a long time ago. And some of us sort of resisted and some of us sort of, sort of dug in. And I'm so glad that the Heavenly Father pushed us and he urged us and he said, you need my son. You need my son. Hey, you need my son. Come with me. You need my son. You need my son. And he called my name and I'm glad that I made my way to the Savior. Amen. Thank you, Brother Donnie. Aren't you glad, by the way, aren't you glad he called your name? Did you know a personal call makes all the difference in the world? I'm glad he called your grandmother but that's not enough for you. I'm glad that your grandpa was an evangelist, but that's not enough for you. Amen. It's not enough that God called mama's name or God called your dad's name or God called your cousin's name or your uncle's name. It's not enough. But has there ever been a time when God called your name? You see, a personal call, a personal call makes all the difference in the world. I think about, you don't have to turn there, but I think about the scripture in John chapter 20. Remember when Mary Magdalene came to the garden? Jesus had died on the cross. They put him in the grave. Mary Magdalene comes down to the garden and she sees the Lord. But the Bible says, and she supposing him to be the gardener. By the way, you read that story later on, and this is, what, this is how she referred to the Savior. She said, sir. Sir, where have you laid, it, laid the body? Sir? And all of a sudden we find in that story that Jesus turned to Mary and said, Mary. And when he called her, yes, sir, brother, we got to get off this first point. Y'all quit saying amen. All right. I, listen, I, until he called her personally, he was just sir. He was sir. But when the Lord called her by name, it went from being sir to being master, master. You're my master. Oh, I'm glad for the day when he called me by name. He called me. But number two, he justified me. Now we preached on this last Sunday, so we're not gonna stay here. But Romans 8, 30, moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified. Justified, it means to render guiltless. He rendered me guiltless. Through his salvation, I became just as if I'd never sinned. Someone said it like this, not on my guilty head, the wrath of God shall fall. The lamb has suffered in my stead. His blood atones for all. 
I seek no other way. My soul is satisfied to know that God forgives today because my Savior died. And so I want you to understand how great your salvation is. Part of your salvation is that one day, uh, by the way, he didn't have to, but out of his great love for you and his great love for me, for God so loved the world. And by the way, aren't you glad that he knew about little old you? And maybe nobody else knows a whole lot about you. But he cared enough to call you by name. He not only called me, but he justified me. But that's not all. Not only did he call me and he justified me, but I don't want to stay here just for a minute. The Bible says he glorified me. Romans chapter eight, verse number 30, moreover, whom he did predestinate, then he also called, and whom he called, then he also justified, and whom he justified, then he also glorified. Glorified means to render excellent. It means to impart glory to something. How about this? It means to clothe with splendor. <laughs> It's the idea, the word glorified is the idea of a great celebration. To celebrate. To magnify. Now here's the thing. Since God has divine foreknowledge, he sees this as already being accomplished. You see, in my mind, this hasn't happened yet. I haven't been glorified. Uh, but God who lives not in the present tense has already seen my glorification take place. Acts 15, eight, and I promise I'm going somewhere, so y'all stay with me. Acts 15, eight, the Bible says, known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. And so God not only called me, he convicted me of the Holy Spirit. I went and got saved. When I got saved, he justified me. And at that very time, I got glorified in God's foreknowledge. So in God's eyes, in God's eyes, I've already been glorified. You say, big deal. Yeah, it really is pretty big. In fact, I want to tell you what, just two things, but I want to tell you what that little lesson teaches us. In God's eyes, in God's foreknowledge, we've already been glorified. So number one, it tells me this, it tells me that I am eternally secured. In God's sight, not, not, not only, not only, listen church, don't miss this. In God's sight, not only can I not lose my salvation, but I'm already in heaven. Yes, I'm as good, I'm as good as being there right now. You say, preacher, you're preaching some wild stuff this morning. No, I'm not. I'm preaching the Bible this morning. Now, you can't grasp it, and neither can I, and the reason you can't is because you live where you are. You live in the now, but God doesn't live in the now. God doesn't have to live in your, your little spectrum. God, you'll not put God in your little box. You see, God can live anywhere he wants to live, and you can't see down the road, but God can see down the road. God has divine foreknowledge, and God said, I not only called that boy, and I not only justified that boy, but guess what? According to my will, he's already been glorified. That means I'm eternally secured. Would you take your Bibles, hold your place in Romans chapter eight, take your Bibles, turn to Philippians. 
turn right just a little bit and go to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter three. You say, preacher, can you prove what you're preaching? <laughs> if I couldn't prove it, I wouldn't be preaching it this morning. Did you know that, that God has, has so saw me as glorified that he has already changed my citizenship? Philippians chapter three, verse 18, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of, of the cross of Christ, verse 19, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Verse 20, for our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it might be fashioned like in his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Verse 20, for our conversation is in heaven. It is the Greek word politiuma. We get a word from that called politics. Politiuma. It means for our community has changed. Study it out. It means citizenship. When he called me and I accepted him as savior, he justified me. And at that very moment, he glorified me. You say, preacher, I didn't see it, but he sees it. And at that very moment, God changed my citizenship and now my citizenship is in another place called heaven. The songwriter said, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. Oh, I can't feel much at home in this old world anymore. Listen, have you ever got, have you ever just felt like there's something not right? I don't feel at home here anymore. I feel like there's something else calling me. I feel like there's somewhere else I'm supposed to be. I feel like there's another land. There's a land that is fairer than day. And by faith, I can see it afar. I'm telling you, there is coming a day when we are gonna change the place where we're living right now. Our citizenship has changed. It's why, it's why, this will help you, church. It's why when I got saved, I immediately received eternal life. So someone says, preacher, I can't wait till I get eternal life. Well, if you're here this morning and you were called and you were justified, I got good news. You were glorified. You know what that means? That means that you're just as good as being there right now. You have got, it's not something that you're going to receive, you've already received eternal life. John, 1 John chapter five, verse number 12 says it like this. He that hath the Son hath, present tense, hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. He that hath the Son hath life. When I got the Son, I got life. That means I, I'm eternally secured. That means that I'm never gonna die. Are y'all listening to me this morning? Hey, don't get too excited. You're only gonna live forever. It's why, it's exactly why saved people can face death with a totally different perspective. And it blows the mind of the world. 
They come to the funeral home where we are sometimes when we're grieving the loss of a loved one and oftentimes they'll see people smiling. Sometimes they'll even hear some laughing, not irreverently, but they'll hear some laughing. They'll see some Christian fellowship. Uh, and yes, there are some tears and yes, there are some wiping of the eyes, but they see some joy and they see some satisfaction and the world says, what in the world is going on? This is what it is. When I got called, I got justified, but I also got glorified. Romans chapter eight and verse number 35 says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Look at verse 38, church. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know what's so great about being a child of God? You know what's so great about being saved? We know this is not the end. Already this morning, some folks have come to me. And they were telling me about some of their aches and pains. Boy, the older you get, the more you get, don't you? And I told one of our folks this morning, aren't you glad you're gonna trade this in for a designer model? Yeah. <laughs> this is not the end, Calvary. Amen. This is not the end for us. This is not the end. Somebody says, preacher, what in the world are we gonna do? If Biden gets in and come all ahead, what are we gonna do? We're gonna keep on going. We're gonna do what we've always done. We're gonna keep on shouting and praising God, and loving people and trying to get people to Jesus. Why? Because this is not the end. In God's sight, I've already been glorified. So death poses no threat. It was Dale Moody, the great Dwight Lyman Moody. Dale Moody was on his deathbed and his family came and they gathered around the bed. And Mr. Moody was about to take his last breath. And as he did, Moody said this, earth recedes. And he said, heaven opens before me. And Dale Moody said, if this is death, it's sweet. He said, there is no valley here. God is calling me and I must go. This is my, this is what he said, church. He's getting ready to take his last breath. His family's around the bed. And Dill Moody said, this is my coronation day. It's glorious. Adoniram Judson said, as he was getting ready to pass, the great missionary to Burma. Adoniram Judson said, I go with the gladness of a boy bounding away from school. I feel so strong in Christ. John Wesley, that great Methodist evangelist, as he lay on his deathbed, they said before he died that he rose up in the bed and he began to sing, I'll praise my maker while I have breath. Now I want you to do me, this is gonna be, some of you are gonna think this is weird. But I want you to do something for me. When I count to three, I want you to do a, a huge applause. All right? If a few of you want to, want to throw in a hoop or a holler, that'd be all right too. Whoop, yes, yeah. 
That'd be okay too. On the count of three. All right. Here we go. Ready? One, two, three. Come on. I like that. I like that. Hey, let's try it one more time. All right. You sounded really good that first time. Here we go. Ready on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. George McDonald said this. Don't miss this church. If we knew as much about heaven as God does, we would clap our hands every time a Christian dies. Don't take this wrong. But I'm getting ready to point. When I point, I want you to do what you just done. There's going to come a day when you're going to hear, preacher is gone. Now, I hope it'll be later. I'm looking for the upper taker, not the undertaker. I'm hoping to go up in the rapture of the church, but I'm not sure of it. By the way, neither are you. But there's going to come a day, one way or another, there's going to come a day when you're, you're going to receive word that I'm gone. And so, get ready. Everybody ready? You're going to do this whether you want to or not, all right? You're going to hear the word, preacher passed away. You say, Pastor, that's the weirdest thing we've ever done. This is all, this is all I'm saying. Calvary, if we really understood, man, if we really understood how great heaven is really gonna be, I know there's a, I know there's a temporary parting. I understand that. I understand there's a, an empty place in your heart when a loved one passes away. But I'm telling you, if you know that they know Christ and they've been called and they've been justified, I got great news. They've also been glorified. And when you get the news that they went to glory, I'm telling you what, not irreverently, but we can step back and say, wow, yes. Can you imagine? Can you even imagine what they're experiencing right now? Since God sees me as glorified, I'm eternally secured. But since God sees me as glorified, number two, I'm exceptionally blessed. You know what this means, Calvary? All that heaven has to offer is mine now. Are you in Romans 8? Look at Romans chapter 8. And verse number 16, how many got a call? Raise your hand, got a call, amen? You remember the day he got a call? When God called you? I thought about Brother Michael sitting down here on the front row. I was putting this message again, I thought about Brother Michael. It was evident he got a call. It was evident God rang his number. When he texted his sister about 11 o'clock at night and said, are y'all home? And she said, yes. And he gave no explanation, he said, we're on our way. And he came bolting through the door. It was evident God had called. Amen. Have you received a call? He not only called us, but he justified us. And thank God he glorified us. And because we're glorified, we're exceptionally blessed. Look at Romans 8, verse number 16. The Bible says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Here it is. <laughs> and if children... Then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. 
If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified. There's that word, glorified together. Look at verse 18. For I reckon, now all you Union Grovians can understand that kind of language, can't you? For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be, to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. In other words, when he called us and we responded, we got saved, he justified us. But at that very moment, he glorified us. Oh, we can't see it, but he can see it. He glorified us, and that means that everything in heaven is now ours. That means some things I have access to now. I have access to the throne of grace. <laughs> Man, if we, ever, if we could ever get, get this stuff, I have the ability to enter into the very presence of Almighty God and to not only come to the throne of grace, but to come boldly. I've been given permission to come boldly. I have access to the comfort of the Holy Spirit. As you're going through hard times, I'm so glad that he's able to give you comfort. I'm so glad that we have access to that heavenly advocate. The Bible says that the Lord Jesus is our advocate. He's our lawyer, he's our, our attorney. And sometimes the devil will come and the devil will say, you low down, dirty, rotten thing. Who do you think you are for showing your face in church? Who do you think you are for carrying a Bible? Who do you think you are for singing those songs of thine? Who do you think you are? And your response ought to be, you have to talk to my attorney about that. I already have access to that heavenly attorney I have access to the word of God. And so those things that I have access to now, many of those things I have access to now, some of those things I'll enjoy later. But please understand that God is purposely reserving some things for his children to enjoy later. Amen. I have preached my voice away. I wish I could sing it. I sang it in the office when nobody's around. I wish I had a voice to sing. If I could... I'd cut loose. And I'd sing something like this. There waits for me a glad tomorrow where gates of pearl swing open wide. And when I pass that veil of sorrow, I'll dwell upon the other side. Someday beyond the reach of mortal kin. Someday God only knows just where and when the wheels of mortal life shall all stand still and I shall go to dwell on Zion's hill. How do you know, preacher? Well, in God's sight, I'm already there. I'm already there. I don't have, to, I don't have to, to worry about it. Rewards are on their way. There was a missionary 
that had served on a foreign field for many, many years faithfully. In fact, he had not taken a furlough in a long, long time. He had labored diligently trying to win people to Christ and build ministries and churches and God had used him. And finally, this missionary thought, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a, a few days. I'm gonna go home to my native land and just gonna enjoy my family and some friends and be in my culture. And so sure enough, he booked the flight. He got on the plane. He flew across the waters to America. And, and as the plane made its landing and, and began to taxi into the concourse there, he noticed that there were people out there, they were holding signs and banners, welcome home, welcome home. There was a band playing and he looked out that airplane window and he thought, my, my, how sweet. That is so thoughtful. He said, I can't believe that they, they got word I was coming. And he said, they've just got this big crowd together. And, and he said, wow, this is really, it's really thoughtful. Well, he got off the plane when he, and he realized that there was a politician on the plane who had been on an African safari and, and some of the word leaked out this politician was coming home and he come to find out that this big entourage and the banners and the bands and all those things were not for him, they were for that politician. And that servant of God that had been on the field for many, many years walked off that plane with his shoulders drooped. And he thought to himself, this isn't right. I've served you, Father. I've served you for years. I've served you. I turned my back on everything else and I've served you faithfully. And, and he said, when I finally come home, he said, this politician that's been on a hunt gets more acclaim than I do. It's not right. And he, he said, it was like the Lord spoke to his heart so strongly and said, child, you're not home yet. In Calvary Baptist Church, you're not home yet. Amen. Hey, keep on keeping on. Amen. Don't get discouraged. Amen. Don't let up. Man, stay in the fight. Why? Because you've been called. Because you've been justified. But also because you've been glorified. I haven't seen my glorification, but thank God he has. And no wonder, no wonder the Bible says in Psalm 116, 15, precious. In the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. It's got to be true. One of these days, when we get over there, we're going to say, why did I waste so much time here? Man, I, I wish I'd have been in heaven a lot, a lot sooner. Have you been called? Has he called your name? We say, preacher, I come from a Christian family. That's wonderful. I'm glad God called your dad. God called your mom. Has God called you? Has the Spirit of God came to you and said, you need Jesus. You need to be saved. You need to give your heart and life to Christ. Have you been justified? Just as if I'd never sinned. And hey, Calvary, have you been glorified? What a Savior. What a plan of salvation that God has blessed us with. Let's bow our heads this morning. Father... Thank you so much for this time we've had together today. And God, I want to thank you for a so great salvation. 
Lord, thank you that, <clears throat> that you've called us. Lord, it could be that you're calling someone right now. Father, it, it, it's very possible that there's someone that's seated in this room that doesn't know Christ as their personal Savior, and right now you're calling them. Lord, right now they can feel inside that God is speaking to their heart. They know they need to make a decision. Oh, they're scared to death, but they know they need to make a move for God. Father, call them loud. God, call them so loud that they'll refuse to leave this place until they get it settled. Lord, thank you for urging them. Thank you for pushing them, pulling them, impelling them. Lord, I pray that somebody will get justified today. And then, Lord, we want to thank you that in your sight, we're already glorified. Father, I pray that you'll have your way in this invitation. Speak to hearts. Save that one that's nearest hell. Have thy way, please, in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed.